You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 252, Keeping Your Marriage Strong After Kids with Christine Bongiovanni. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hello, Mama. Happy June. In honor of Father's Day this month, I'm excited to bring you two interviews with some of my coach friends to talk about issues related to relationships and dads. This week, I talk with Christine Bongiovanni, a love and relationship coach with 30 plus years of experience guiding women to loving relationships with themselves and their lives. As a marriage coach, she helps her clients do this while also exploring how to create loving partnerships with the ones they are with. After considering the possibility of divorce from her second husband, Christine focused inward to build a better relationship with herself. During this time, she discovered a whole process that allowed her to let go of her self-sabotaging behavior, treat herself better, and turn her marriage around. Now she uses that same process to help couples and individuals go from coexistence to interactive, loving partnerships. Christine and I talk about why some marriages fail after kids come into the picture and some of the little ways and small steps you can take to keep your marriage strong or reignite your connection and intimacy. I know you're going to love this conversation and be sure to tune in next week for my interview with a dad coach who tells us what his clients struggle with and how we can help support the dads in our lives. So now, please enjoy my interview with marriage coach, Christine Bongiovanni. All right, Christine, this is take two. It's always better the second time. Always. That's what I'm telling myself. So just to let everybody know, bring them up to speed. So yesterday, Christine and I started this interview and then about five minutes into it, I had a power outage and uh, didn't have internet the entire rest of the day. So, um, so we're, we rescheduled. So first of all, thank you for being here and thank you for being so flexible with your schedule. I appreciate it. Anything for you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start. um, Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So I am Christine Bongiovanni. I am the marriage coach. I help women, men, anyone who wants to recreate their marriage, who's unhappy in their marriage and has a dream for something different. I help them through that process to feeling better in their marriage. I love it. So tell us, how did you become the marriage coach? Yeah. How did I become the marriage coach? Well, I, what I said yesterday in uh, the pre-interview is, of course, we teach what we need to learn the most. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I have been a coach pretty much my whole life, a graphic designer by trade, but forced into doing something different. I was, uh, yeah, I don't even need to get into that story, but I started doing what um, I could make money at, which was training athletes. And so 
So a different kind of coach, but still a coach. Yeah, different kind of coach. Uh, and how I got into being a life coach was, I mean, as a trainer, a personal trainer, I did realize at one point as I kind of a few years into doing it, I loved helping people. I mean, that is what brings me joy is helping, is watching other people do the work of feeling better about themselves, their lives. Because of course, when we feel better about ourselves, we show up better in the world, better meaning um, in a way that gets us more of what we want. Um, In my second marriage, what ended up happening is we got to this point where we were looking at each other wondering if we were going to make it as a married couple. And there was a particular day where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is going to make it. Like what was going on? I mean, you don't need to get specific, but... You know what? When I look back Mm -hmm. up to that day, there was a specific conversation. We were out to brunch and something that he said. and. It's sort of like underneath all of it, we weren't working hard on the relationship. It's like what happens to so many of us is we fall in love with somebody, we commit our lives to them, and then we get on with life thinking Mm -hmm. that this relationship we're in, there's so much love that we don't need to even work at it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Until then down the road. So When I look back, it has been a journey of learning to trust myself, to hear what my intuition is telling me. Uh, And so I think more of what was happening in that time is I went into this place of recognizing that I was trying to get all of my outside world to line up with all the things I needed it to do so I could feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Which meant, you know, like trying to get my husband to do and be the person I needed him to be. And what I recognize now is I went into a state of withdrawal. And that state of withdrawal really was a a period of working on myself. I basically said to myself, I need to figure myself out. Mm -hmm. So I did all of the different things just kind of did a lot of searching, a lot of experimenting with different things, therapy for myself, where in the past it had been with uh, my partner or for other reasons and not to really work on myself, not because I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I found life coaching. And life coaching just hit me differently. I was listening to podcasts mostly from, I don't even know how I stumbled upon the Life Coach School and uh, those podcasts, but it felt like inside work that I needed to do, but intellectually, I was just like, what is she even saying? Like, how is this? And I even remember sharing a podcast with my therapist 
Mm -hmm. like, you need to listen to this. Tell me what you think. Uh -huh. course, she she was like, well, I kind of, but don't kind of, but but inside I knew that it was something I, I just wanted to follow it. And so I told my husband at the time that um, I was going to like dive into the work for a year. I was going to commit to a year. And that this also was all at an interesting point in my life where I was contemplating what I wanted to do with my business. Mm -hmm. uh, there were parts of it that could run with employees. And what did I want to do? Did I want to just keep that and try something different? So that year was like 2017 was a year of kind of pause, work on myself, decide what was the next thing. And it was probably six months into this work of cognitive work, really, of mm -hmm. looking at my thoughts and my emotions and actually feeling my emotions that I was like, this is what is going to be next. I knew that from my past business or at that time, the current business I was in, I had pulled apart what I absolutely loved about it. It was really watching people change their own lives. And mm -hmm. I knew that life coaching could do that on such a bigger level than what I was doing with them through nutrition and shaping their bodies. So, um, and to start off with, to answer your question about how I became the marriage coach is... I started off with general coaching and then kind of got into more of helping women. And where I landed was working on my marriage and helping other people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so tell us how your marriage worked out. <laughs> well, we're still together, we're still together. Um, and so much has changed, but I do want to say, and you might want to edit this out. I don't know. But the truth is, is that what we talk about, the 50-50, yeah. there is always, I during this period right now, I am sort of on a form of bed rest. And I have been using this analogy of my healing and my knee and to talk about life in general, it is really the idea that we do work to mm -hmm. um, get to a different place in our life, right? We want more, we want to grow, we want to make things better. And just like with my knee, like I'm given exercises to do, I get stronger in those exercises and then I get harder exercises, right? So it's like mm -hmm. always, you're always moving forward and growing. And it's the same in our relationship. When I look back, so much has changed, so much. Mm -hmm. And this has been the work of me doing the work on my own, right? It, it, really isn't the two of us doing the work. And what I talk about is how one person can influence the whole system of marriage. Yeah. And, you know, things that I used to just like desperately hope for in my husband are actually happening because of how I'm changing. Yeah, it's exactly what I say to my clients, you know, who 
want me to coach their kids, <laughs> you know, and get their kids to change. It's like, no, no, you just are the one. You're the one who can make everything happen that you that you want to happen. So it's yes. yeah, so good. One of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you is that, you know, I work with so many moms and in my own experience, like you said, there's so much love in the marriage and the relationship, but then kids come along mm-hmm. <laughs> and the focus, the priorities, not always, but very often will then shift to the children and their needs. And the relationship is like put on the back burner until one day you're like, you know, your roommates basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to know from you, how can moms continue to prioritize their partnership when they can barely find a moment to themselves in the middle of sleepless nights and crying kids and all the things, how do we prioritize the partnership? Mm-hmm. That's such, such a good question. And I have so many things to say about that. And I think we want to, you know, stay focused on one thing that knowing that this is going to happen, being aware that this is going to happen, being aware of the fact that it is work and deliberate intention to stay focused on improving your marriage relationship. When you have like this solid anchor of you and your spouse, and knowing that you need to feed that relationship, it doesn't need to be huge amounts of time. Mm-hmm. It's just in your mind, you know that we have to come together and have discussions about certain things. We need to talk about our relationship. We need to talk about our expectations. We need to talk about what we're yearning for, what we're missing, what we need. And I think that too often, it's just the way we're brought up, you know, we're brought up with this idea that love is just going to last forever, but it needs to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what I also wanted to say is that what can happen, and just like you said, is this doesn't always happen. There's so many different examples of what can happen. Every relationship is unique to itself because every one of us is a unique specimen, right? But I think that what can often happen is the children end up being like this buffer Mm -hmm. of what's uncomfortable to address in our marriage. So we just pour all the energy into Mm -hmm. our children. And I think that it even starts before we have kids, depending upon when in the marriage or the relationship you decide to have children, but it can be like right away looking for a place to live, whether it's buying a home or um, or diving into your career instead of taking some time, some dedicated time to focus on the relationship. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but it's almost like we turn away from the relationship and start doing all of the things. And that's so interesting. Yeah. 
And so what, I mean, it happened, that's what happened for me is even, you know, it didn't feel like super connected and there was things that bothered me, but I just thought, oh, it'll fix itself. We think in the back of our mind that down the road, things will fix themselves, autocorrect. And they won't unless we're intentional about it. I mean, it's totally possible to turn the train around, but that's when it's even more work. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned just being aware that you need to keep working on the relationship and you need to, you know, intentionally making it, make it a priority. And I guess I'm thinking about two different scenarios. One is where like the kids are still young toddlers or something and the marriage is still young. And so it seems like, you know, okay, we can shift our priority. We can bring, bring this back. But then there's those, the relationships where it feels like it's too far gone almost. Like how does somebody in that situation bring it up or bring it back? You know, what, what's like the first step for those people to reignite the relationship? Such a good question because this is where the idea of like, oh my gosh, how do we, like I call it a train because turning a train around is not an easy task, right? So Mm -hmm. it is, and this is where it seems easier to just start over somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because it is a little daunting, but the the first step is deciding what you want. Mm-hmm. Do you want to make this marriage work? Or do you want to go the other way? And then it's committing to that. And I think people have some fear around committing because what if it doesn't work? But you're already there. When you're committed and you decide, I am going to choose my partner and you say that to them, when you have to bring up some sort of conversation that feels difficult, you can start with that. Like, let me just say to begin with, I'm choosing our relationship. I want to work on our relationship. This is where this conversation, the perspective it's coming from. So then that kind of eases the tension a little bit mm-hmm. where it, you're not coming together looking like you're fighting against each other, but it is intentionally saying to yourself, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to choose my partner. And now what do I want to do with that? So every day it's doing that work of thinking relationally instead of thinking about just ourselves as individuals. The work that it takes is more emotionally. It's the energy that's going on inside of you than the big actions happening outside of yourself. Because connection and starting to change the direction of the train starts to come from some of the small things like When your partner talks to you, you actually turn and look at them, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of continuing to cook the meal, doing Mm -hmm. other things and 
you know, you actually pause and turn and look at them and respond, letting him know that I care, that I heard him. Mm -hmm. It's like the simplest thing. And we just take it for granted, you know, just turning and looking at somebody who's talking to us. And we would do it with anyone else, any other adult in our life. Yes. (laughs) Like, and, but here's like the most important person that we've committed our lives to and we don't do it. You know, we just kind of expect them to continue loving us and having warm feelings when we're not showing them. Exactly. (laughs) Like simple, common courtesy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm not saying that, you know, like then if you're making dinner, inviting them to join you, hey, I hear you. Do you want to help me? And let's talk about this while we're making dinner. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sharing what they can help with. And then there is also my husband and I have had this conversation where as the other partner, so let's say I take the task of making dinner, let's say, and my husband always asks, what can I do? What can I do? And it drives me bananas. <laughs> and finally, I just said to him, what, it, what you're doing is making me stop my train of thinking and come up with ideas to give you. I really want you to own it. Like scan, mm-hmm. do what you do at work, scan the situation. And look for some things that you can do. And when I tell you you're doing it wrong, just pause me and say, I'm doing it my way. Uh (laughs) Right. Uh And, you know, then I can, and then we can engage. So people will say, well, there's too many other things going on. It's only you make time for what's important. And your kids are going to notice when you're talking to each other. They might scream and yell if they're young, you know, scream and yell for attention. You get to say, mommy and daddy are talking right now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of moms feel guilty for putting their relationship with their spouse first or, you know, ahead of whatever their kids are demanding in the moment. But in the long run, right, it's like the difference between like what is important in the short term versus the long term. In the short term, you know, you you might feel guilty, but in the long term, this is what is modeling, like you said, modeling for the kids what a healthy relationship looks like. It's nurturing that relationship with your partner so that you can stay together and the kids will benefit from that. And for yeah, and and I, like if the kid is putting his hands on the hot stove, of course. <laughs> Right. I mean, you get to Not decide. Not now, honey. Mommy <laughs> and daddy are talking. Yes. I mean, so emergencies yes. are different, but yeah, you are modeling that dad is more important when it comes to attention right now, when you're screaming about something. Uh, and pay attention to like when you're having a conversation with a girlfriend. And you're telling your child, just wait, just wait, just wait. But then when you don't do that with your partner. Yeah, so interesting. What are you you teaching your child? And that is such good work that you can teach your children, having them see a connected, healthy relationship that does have arguments, that Mm -hmm. repairs the argument in front of the children. So the children know Mm. that there is 
conflict that happens and see how you come back together and heal and repair that argument. Such a good life skill to teach your children. Mm -hmm. And also that there's enough time for everybody. And if you're not going to connect with them right now, letting them know, I'm talking to daddy right now, and then I'm going to listen to you or, you know, or something where it's not like either, or it's not, there's not a competition. It's just like, everybody is going to get some connection time. Absolutely. I I mean, I think that parents, when their babies are infants, you know, they're wanting to pour that connection and energy in. And those infants are also seeing how you're interacting with dad or, you know, with your partner. And they see that you're there for them, right? Even Mm -hmm. in that example that you're sharing, Yeah, it would be unhealthy if you're neglecting the child and pouring everything into your partner. That would be unhealthy as well. Right, right. And so in that situation, prioritizing, like Mm -hmm. right now, I'm in this conversation. I love you and I'll be right there for you. Yeah. Okay. So we have turning towards your partner, really listening. What else can people do to, again, to, you know, reestablish communication, intimacy, um, just like practical things. What can they do? Mm -hmm. I think it's good to remember small steps first Mm -hmm. and make them comfortable. And um, so you're opening up and being vulnerable in little tiny pieces. Okay. Because I like to share the example of a teeter-totter. And so our Mm -hmm. relationships will kind of balance at this certain level of vulnerability. And then when you open up just a little bit, your partner might push away in the beginning, but eventually they will open up to your level of vulnerability. Like if you're like, opening way up to here, they're going to push way apart. So it is tiny little bits of opening up and sharing uh, something that has been on your mind, maybe Mm. that, you know, they're in front of the TV from the time they come home until it's time to go to bed. Let's just share an example like that. And so it would be sitting down with yourself and deciding how you want to address this situation, look at how you've done it in the past and the results that you've gotten. And how do you want to address it from a loving space, not when they're in front of the TV in a different situation and just share that little bit of your heart about how you would like, you know, a little piece of their attention or a little piece of their attention for the kids, however that might be. And so it's that little bit of opening up And a little bit because their reaction, if it's different than what you expect, which it very likely could be, you know, a more negative reaction than you're hoping for a good reaction, you can keep yourself better regulated in that situation than if you're opening up a big thing. So with this example, I think... The vulnerable thing to say is, I miss you. 
Mm-hmm. I miss our connection. I miss mm-hmm. us. Yes. Right. Versus I don't want you staying in front of the TV all the time or yeah. something where it's like about him mm-hmm. and what he's, you know, cause he's going to take that as like, well, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. She's criticizing me. Yes. I think the the vulnerable thing to do or the way to open up is to say like, when you, you know, when you're sitting on the couch all night, I miss connecting with you. Is yes. there a way that we can connect more often or, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. The vulnerable yeah. part is looking at what are you missing? Mm-hmm. What about this is hurting your soul mm-hmm. and sharing that little bit. Mm-hmm. And even being able to say, I care about our relationship mm-hmm. instead of right pointing out all the ways they're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about how do we start just like little things like this that feel simple and like that, I don't think feels super simple, but when you are able to do small things, like even ask for them to help clean up the kitchen. I'd Mm -hmm. like to spend some time together cleaning up the kitchen, asking for things that you would like with regard to the relationship. And that's where I was talking about thinking relationally Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about ourselves individually, what we need, what does the relationship need? Mm -hmm. And I think it's with intention, thinking about the relationship. So whatever you're struggling with, arguing with, resisting, what would this look like for you if it were resolved? And what little step can you take towards that? Here's a question that I have. Um, Because we learn about the manuals, right? Relationship manuals and being able to take responsibility for our feelings and our needs and letting the other person be who they are, right? And loving them unconditionally and all of that. So where is there room for your needs in a relationship and knowing, is this something that I need to just take care of my myself? This is my responsibility, or this is something that i you know, want my partner to provide? Yes. That's such a great question because I've had so many conversations with other relationship coaches about this. What many of us have done in that continuum of like that codependent state and then learning about the manual and satisfying our own needs What happens is we have this continuum. We go way over here and we take care of ourselves and we just let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. And it's somewhat liberating because we realize, okay, we can make ourselves happy and Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want. We just have to control our mind. But we find out that we still want some connection. We want some intimacy. We want to hold hands and we want to hug each other. We want to have sex and enjoy it. And so then it is really what you were talking about, opening up a little bit because a true intimate relationship 
requires that we be honest about some things like, I would really love it if you would once in a while initiate some Mm -hmm. sort of touch outside of when you want sex or, you know, and being able to say that in a way that I really love when you put your arm around me or you give me a hug. Last night, my husband, so I haven't been able to get out in the gardens. I love my gardens. I love the flowers when they start coming up in the spring. And he was mowing and he went and cut bleeding hearts for me and put them in a vase and brought them in. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is not something (laughs) my husband would normally do. But I was like, yes, I didn't say this to him. I was like, I said, thank you. But in my heart, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Why didn't you say that to him? Um, I I think maybe I do need to be that blunt about it. I, I said, oh my gosh, that is so sweet of you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, but maybe I, maybe you're right, Pam. I do need to be blunt. Like <laughs> that is what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think that, you know, that's just a little thing, but him doing that, that's big for my mm-hmm. husband. And it is because of the work that we have done that that happened. We have to open up and share what we love. And then there is this concept called differentiation. So in a relationship, we have to go into it knowing that our partners might say, no, I'm not going to give you that. Mm -hmm. And we have to be okay with that. An example I can share with you is Um, And I got coached hard on this. I realized at one point I was at a retreat where we shared rooms and my roommate, I loved her every morning. She was like, good morning, Christine. I was like, I miss that so much. And I had even said at the retreat how much I loved that and Mm -hmm. that I wanted to start doing that my husband because we basically would roll out of bed and just start our days and like Mm -hmm. maybe a good morning and so I shared this with him and my coach was like your part is to share what your desire is yeah he gets to decide whether he wants to do that or not Mm -hmm. and then you get to decide what you want to do about that and what you make it mean and what you make that mean Right. Because right. just because he doesn't do it doesn't mean he doesn't still love you and care about you. Right. That's where our minds go. Right. Yeah. I asked him and he didn't do it. And so it must mean he doesn't care about me. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just make sure I do it. And he does do it sometimes, not in the way I would do it, but right. that's differentiation. We're two different people. We don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, dependent the same two people. There is independence. Mm-hmm. There's total dependence. And then there's that beautiful mix of interdependence in the middle, which requires us to be open and vulnerable and okay with mm-hmm. them not agreeing with what we want. Yeah. Because we don't always agree with what they want, right? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is so good. There's a lot here. And I hope that mom's listening will go and check you out and 
see what you've got to offer you. Tell us about that. You have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast called Awaken You in Your Marriage. And my website is myname.com. I'm on the socials, which I'm sure Pam will share in the notes. And yeah, I have a free course on my website called Abundant Love. So it is really just learning how to start to see the things that you love in your marriage because my clients are seeing all the things they don't love Mm. and aren't really seeing what is valuable in the relationship. So it's just a, a little course where you get to start to shift your perspective a little bit. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. What a great resource. Okay. So thank you so much. And um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. For sure. Thank you, Pam. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now. Oh, 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 oh